Welcome to the Game Changing Health Podcast. I am your host, Gianna Beasley. I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And I am so excited to have you here because we are going to talk all about how to change the game of your health in ways that are realistic and sustainable. We're going to talk about hot topics. We're going to talk about how to get to the root cause of your health issue and talk about how through nutrition and movement, we can create a life that you love and can live fully. Thanks for joining and let's dive in. When I first start working with new clients or when I'm connecting with people on Instagram, which is where you can find me hanging out most of the time, a big question that everybody has when they're trying to figure out what is going on with their health and with their bodies is where to start. And typically the first place for a lot of people is going to be with labs, but there's a lot of labs out there to request. So how do you know what to do? Well, the good news is I got you. I made a freebie for y'all. It's called Labs to Request Annually that breaks down common labs to request every single year preventatively, and then also some additional categories on additional lab markers that you can request if something doesn't feel quite right with your body, and also what to do if you're not having luck getting those labs done in traditional channels. So be sure to grab that freebie by joining my email list below. The information is below in the show notes, so don't miss out and go grab that. If you have questions on it, slide into my DMs on Instagram. Welcome back to the Game Changing Health Podcast. I am Gianna, your host, and I am super excited to be here today with y'all for another solo episode. And today we're going to be talking about PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And for those of you guys that don't know, I actually live with PCOS myself. I was diagnosed right around the age of 14 to 15. I've lived with it for over a decade through the good, the bad, and definitely the ugly that can come with having PCOS. But it's definitely one of those medical conditions that's becoming a little bit more common. It's also actually a very commonly misdiagnosed medical condition. So we're going to dive into it today. Um, I actually, for additional background, did my bachelor's like senior like capstone um, about PCOS and kind of what happens after diagnosis and what resources are available, what recommendations are given with diagnosis for women. Um, and then, so that was for my bachelor's degree. And then for my master's degree, I made my entire like master's capstone about PCOS, specifically looking at the use of um, metformin versus inositol. And we are going to talk about that today. So just as a general podcast disclaimer, I mean, for every episode, just know that um, with everything I'm about to say today, it's for educational purposes. This is not medical advice. If you think you have PCOS, um, you're going to want to work with a medical provider. And if you do have PCOS, um, I highly recommend that you do work with a medical provider like an RD, an NP, a PA, something like that um, in the online coaching space that is definitely very attuned to the condition that PCOS is and the needs for that. Um, I guess that's kind of my general recommendation for anybody with any specific medical condition like PCOS or Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. I definitely recommend working with someone in the online space if you're looking for an online coach. And I kind of give that context because that is what I do. I work virtually with clients, but um, I definitely recommend if you have any of those specific medical conditions, if you have a specific medical condition in general, that you work very specifically with a provider that has medical credentials that can help you, um, that is going to be really well-versed in whatever condition that you do have. So that being said, let's dive in. I will kind of touch briefly on my experience with PCOS as well and how I work to manage it, but I want to start with just kind of a general overview here first today. So PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, right? It's it's a relatively common endocrine disorder that actually affects close to 5 million women 
which is crazy, right? Like that's a lot of us out there that could be impacted by PCOS. Um, and there's technically different diagnostic criteria for PCOS. What I have found to be most commonly followed and how I was diagnosed in the United States, at least for contact, like for geographical context in the United States, typically the Rotterdam criteria is followed where a woman must have two of the three like following signs and symptoms. So the first one is regular periods, then there's ovarian cysts and or elevated androgens. So elevated androgens is referring to male sex hormones. Um, androgens are commonly found in women, but like in lower quantities. Um, and then, you know, those high levels of androgens is pretty common with, um, with our PCOS, right? And that's definitely how it can manifest a lot. Something important to note about PCOS though, since I just listed that having ovarian cysts was a like qualifying criteria is not all women with PCOS will have cysts on their ovaries. You can have PCOS without cysts. Um, and honestly, as like every single year, I feel like we have new research on PCOS and where it comes from and um, you know, how, how it's kind of manifesting, but some symptoms, again, these can vary person to person, but some pretty common symptoms that we can see are the hyperandrogenic so again, when those um, those sex hormones, those androgens are elevated, that can manifest as hyperandrogenism. And how typically we will see that is thick body hair, um, typically on like our inner thighs, kind of on the on in our midsection, on our stomach, from like our belly button to like our pubic bone, um, and then also like around our our face. So like our chin specifically, chin and neck is where we can see that kind of manifest. High A1C values, so our hemoglobin A1C values, that 90-day average of our blood sugars. We can also see high fasting blood sugars, poor glucose control, cortisol dysregulation. This is like a really, really common one that I've seen with myself in my own body and then also with a lot of clients where that cortisol dysregulation is then manifesting as chronic fatigue, feeling kind of like that wired but tired, like you're just so tired, but you feel like you're just go, 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 right? Um, hair loss or thinning is also pretty common. Chronic inflammation, brittle hair or nails. This is typically from vitamin deficiencies that um, I've seen really in practice be linked back to a poor kind of microbiome, a poor gut environment for people with PCOS because we are at higher risk for having more of that um, not so ideal gut environment. Um, so that can that can manifest as vitamin deficiencies, which then can create brittle hair or nails. And then lastly, um, poor digestive health, like I was just saying, um, we are at higher risk with PCOS. I say we because I live it, but um, we're at higher risk for having poor digestive health from motility to literally just the microbiome in itself. Um, so all that being said, those are kind of the most common ones that we can see. It is fairly common as well for people to, you know, um, weight loss resistance is pretty common, um, which usually comes at the cost of or as a result of having, you know, high A1C values, high fasting blood sugars. Typically, um, you'll also see high fasting insulin levels with PCOS. Insulin resistance is very prevalent for women with PCOS. Um, and so we can see some of those symptoms manifest that way. Um, 
and also another really common way that people kind of catch PCOS, if you're not someone that's, you know, overweight, struggling with obesity, it can also manifest as kind of, I I don't love using the word lean, but that is probably what you will see out there on social media. So I want to explain that. So you can kind of have the overweight, more obese side of PCOS where you just pack on weight without even trying, and then it's very difficult to lose it. And then on the flip side, you can have a more lean version of that. And typically where that's going to be caught with the PCOS is when people are probably actively trying to conceive because they are struggling with conception. They technically think they're ovulating, um, but they're having some of that ovarian dysfunction that you see with PCOS where you know, they are just not actually ovulating. So they're having trouble conceiving and then they kind of figure out that it actually does resort back to PCOS with some of those irregular periods and elevated androgens, possibly maybe even some cysts. So it can manifest differently for everybody. And some people can technically have all the symptoms, but like very low grade. Some people can have all the symptoms and they can be pretty severe and pretty debilitating. Honestly, it can be really hard to live with PCOS at times. Um, that's definitely something that I have experienced myself that can be really hard because when you live with a disease that you, I mean, obviously none of us choose diseases, but when you live with something and you can't control it, right? I can't control that I have PCOS. I can only control how I respond to it, but I have gone through periods of my life. I just went through one over the last couple of years where I was doing everything right. I was eating enough food. I was maintaining pretty well until one day I wasn't. And the pounds just came on and I could not figure it out. And then turns out my fasting insulin was high and my other lab values were totally fine. Like my A1C and my glucose were still fine. My insulin just was off the charts. And I have always struggled myself with insulin resistant PCOS. And my symptoms very predominantly are that like excessive facial hair. It's like very dark. It comes in like the band right under like my chin and then also right on my chin to where like if I let it grow out, you can like visibly see it in things. And also like I will be pulling like a hundred, no joke, not <laughs> no dramatics here, like at least a hundred like dark black hairs, thick, coarse black hairs off of like my chin and my neck. And it's so honestly just awful. <laughs> like nobody wants to do that. And um So my symptoms definitely present more with like the insulin resistance, the inflammation, the swelling, um, the excess body hair. And then literally I can like blink the wrong way one day and my body's just inflamed. It's angry, weight can come on and it is nearly impossible to come off. And again, I've lived with this, um, with this diagnosis and with knowing this and trying to intervene and like make my quality of life the best that I can for over a decade now. Um, And also I do this for a living, right? And I even studied with my bachelor's and master's like really into the research with PCOS and what we can do and how we can best support our bodies with this. Um, And sometimes it's still even hard for me. So there's no perfect solution and there's no easy way out. Unfortunately, it is just tough sometimes and there's no other way to put that. But keeping going here. So I want to talk a little bit in this, like about like kind of like two more different things here, lifestyle interventions. And then I do want to touch on metformin and inositol. So we'll start with metformin and inositol because realistically, um, a lot of times people are given a medication recommendation to help with their, with their PCOS and their symptoms. So kind of to do like an overview of medical interventions for PCOS. Again, it's one of the most common endocrine disorders in females. And when women are first diagnosed with PCOS, 
interventions vary from provider to provider and patient to patient, but a very prominent, like consistent first-line recommendation for people with PCOS is metformin. Um, and as a primary treatment recommendation, metformin is recommended to help manage that insulin resistance. And this is actually, metformin is uh, a drug that's been commonly used for type 2 diabetes. And let's be really clear about something. PCOS and insulin resistance, women struggling with those two things, that does not mean they have type 2 diabetes. They are more likely to develop type 2 diabetes if you can't manage it, that it will progress. But they're being given a drug that's typically used with type 2 diabetics, metformin, because they've seen in diabetics it help that insulin, you know, that insulin response, basically. But what is not commonly talked about, and I know even for myself, this was not talked about at all, nobody talked about the side effects that come with using metformin. Um, Very common ones, three super common ones with metformin use at like an actual clinical dosage that is, has been shown in, in research and literature to work. Um, side of three very common side effects that come with it are nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. And GI, GI upset overall, because obviously you can imagine vomiting and diarrhea definitely go with GI upset. And then nausea as well, which can make it really hard for people to eat, which actually can then make people more nauseous. Um, and just overall, it creates a lot of GI upset. Like being in the bathroom several times a day is not a quality of life for most people. It definitely was not for me. And I definitely had a lot of those side effects, which is kind of what got my brain churning when I was getting my bachelor's degree anyway of like, there's got to be something better than this because this is just no way to live. This is no way to live life. Like we were not feeling well and it just was not vibe. It was not the vibe. It did not pass the vibe check. And a lot of people, and and even like the research that I did, because technically for both of my, um, both of my bachelor's and master's, I actually did research and collected my own research from people with PCOS. Um, I had help with some bigger platforms on social media, posting like the link to my, um, you know, Qualtrics survey. If anybody's done research, he would know what Qualtrics is, but it's like the software. But anyway, I got, you know, a couple dozen to sometimes upwards of a hundred answers of different women with PCOS, knowing like what they were recommended when they were diagnosed, when they were diagnosed, if they struggled to be diagnosed, all that good stuff. And across the board, pretty much everybody was prescribed metformin right off the bat and not given the information on the side effects that can come with it. Or they were given a dose that's so low that they don't experience side effects. However, when you look at the literature, and I even asked my endocrinologist about this myself because I was just really baffled because I myself wasn't finding research that supported a really low dosage of metformin. And I asked them and I was like, hey, I just haven't seen research showing that this dose specifically is clinically effective. And my endocrinologist even backed me up and was like, it's not. You have to take more than that for it to actually be effective. Um, So anyway, just a note on that. But another recommendation that's being given now to help with the insulin resistance piece in patients with PCOS is inositol. Um, And the great news about inositol is there are no reported side effects in studies that would essentially like be messing with people, right? Um, Now, in all fairness, we do need just like additional, like we've had years and years and years and years and years of metformin research. I, as a provider, would want to see years and years and years more of inositol, but in practice, I've seen it be really helpful. So when we're talking about like these two together, it helps to kind of like get a little bit more information on them, right? So metformin is an insulin sensitizer used to improve symptoms, quality of life, metabolic markers, and kind of like our anthropometric measurements, right? Right. Metformin 
in clinical trials did yield lower testosterone levels, did see improvements in BMI values. Um, and actually, I'm going to do a whole different episode in the future on BMI values. So don't like take that with a ton of value. But it also did help improve subcutaneous adipose tissue levels and did improve menstrual cycle lengths in some women. Um, this specific study that was being done compared it to people that were not taking metformin at all. So it did see some improvements. They were not taking any intervention, basically, that, as the compare group. One of the first studies to evaluate the effects of metformin in women, there were 134 participants and they didn't actually have any like significant changes between the control group and the group taking metformin, um, at least for BMI. And, you know, like there's so much research on metformin, like I said. So metformin can definitely help improve lab work and quality of life because as those labs improve, typically quality of life improves. Um, But again, those side effects that come with it can make it not super ideal for people. So the GI side effects are definitely the most common ones there. So heartburn, stomach pain, nausea, vomiting, bloating, gas, diarrhea, and constipation. And I have seen a lot of dysbiosis follow people that have taken metformin because their their gut is just living in such an angry state for so long while taking metformin that it can have an impact there. Then when you flip and look at the inositol, right? So the main takeaways from current research on inositol shows metabolic marker improvements like with your A1C, your blood sugar, your weight, BMI. Um, And as the research continues to develop, we're seeing specific dosing requirements to hit that. So inositol is actually a powder um, that you can take. Our body can actually make some inositol. So there's there's two forms specific for PCOS that's important to know. There's dechiro inositol and myo-inositol, and they act as secondary messengers for different functions, critical to our metabolic functions like regulating our thyroid-stimulating hormones, our TSH, our follicle-stimulating hormone, our FSH, and our insulin levels. So we've seen that a supplement, like supplementation, with myo-inositol in women with PCOS, literature has shown we've seen decreased fasting insulin levels, decreased testosterone levels, and decreased um, homeostatic model assessment for insulin resistance, or the acronym for that is HOMA, H-O-M-A-I-R. Um, so myo-inositol across the board has been shown to be beneficial for helping improve metabolic markers in women with PCOS with no symptoms. So the lack of negative side effects is really important to note because it could be a first line. It it could, and I hope to see this continue. And for a lot of the clients I work with and myself, um, this is something that I definitely recommend people with PCOS take. Um, Pretty regularly, I actually recommend a specific brand from Theralogix called Avocetol because in all this literature, the a 40 to 1 ratio of myo-inositol to dechiro-inositol was evaluated in a clinical trial. And like that HOMA um, IR that I just talked about, the fasting glucose, insulin resistance, fasting insulin, and hormones were all evaluated and it was effective at improving all of those. So that 40 to 1 ratio is doing the job. And we have more literature now too, outside of like that one study that I just mentioned that does support that 40 to one ratio. Um, and so Theralogics, their brand or their product is Ovacitol, O-V-A-S-I-T-O-L. This is not sponsored. I pay my own hard-earned money for it. Um, but I do recommend that to a lot of my clients as well, because it does not come with side effects and we feel a lot better afterwards. So 
it's amazing. We're also starting to get new research directly comparing metformin to inositol. And it's a small study, but there was a trial of 50 women with PCOS and metformin and inositol were evaluated against each other. Um, And insulin sensitivity, BMI, and menstrual cycle length improved in both groups. No negative side effects were reported in the inositol group, but negative GI symptoms were reported in the metformin group. Something else to note too, because I think it's important to always talk about cost of different interventions. Metformin is a prescription medication that most insurances will cover, whereas inositol is over the counter. Um, So it's important to know if you are taking inositol, where you're getting it from and the dosing and all of that good stuff. But just a quick rundown on that. So now let's talk quickly. Again, this is just kind of a brief overview for this episode this week. Um, But Let's talk about lifestyle interventions. And first one is meal timing improvement. So eating every three to five hours is huge. We want to make sure we're eating every three to five hours to support our blood sugar and eating within the first hour of waking up. So keep that in mind. Um, I see a lot of times people trying to fast and it doesn't work. It doesn't work in our favor, right? So meal timing improvement is a big thing that I think a lot of people can easily improve upon. This doesn't require a ton of additional resources or finances or anything like that. It's just making sure that you are supporting your body by eating regularly throughout the day. So every three to five hours, everybody will have an individual sweet spot, but that meal timing improvement is big. Now, a question that I get a lot is... Well, I saw that fasting improved X, Y, or Z. And there's no denying. There's been a lot of research done on like intermittent fasting, for example, or just fasting in general where health markers improved. However, a lot of these studies have the limitation of they've been done in men not women. And another reason why I personally don't recommend fasting for my clients is because when you already struggle with regulating your blood sugar, if you go long periods without eating, you're then more likely when you already have this blood sugar like dysregulation, you are more likely, and I see this all the time with my clients that have come to me like having practiced fasting in the fast, whether they're actively practicing it or just telling me about when it happened, um, we are then seeing a bigger issue of they're going so long without eating, their blood sugar is dropping. They're feeling shaky and nauseous and anxious and like just not well. So blood sugar is dropping. And when our blood sugar drops, our cortisol increases. But like I was talking about earlier in this episode, something that we see very commonly is cortisol dysregulation in PCOS. And usually that manifests as high cortisol. Our adrenal glands are already working overtime. So that being said, I don't recommend it. What I do recommend instead is the meal time improvement and also pairing foods at meals. So basically, this just means combining carb intake with proteins and fats to help stabilize your blood sugar. If you go and eat a big bag of popcorn with nothing else, your blood sugar is going to be higher than if you ate that bag of popcorn with like a protein shake for a snack. Or, you know, let's say another example here is instead of just having two rice cakes, you know, maybe we add a little bit of like chicken salad on top of those rice cakes. That's going to help and it's not going to be as drastic of a blood sugar response because you've paired proteins, protein with your carbs. So pairing your carbs, proteins, and fats together. Everybody's ratio will look a little bit differently on what works best for their blood sugar with PCOS, but I find typically a ratio of like for each meal, for every one gram of protein, you have two grams of carbs. So like a one to two there. Um, Another thing is prioritizing sleep. (laughs) And people with PCOS can be more likely to have sleep issues. So we really want to make sure we're sleeping in a good, solid environment, getting over seven hours of sleep per night, having a very consistent bedtime routine, a very consistent wake-up routine to really prioritize that sleep. Because sleep is really the backbone of everything that we do. 
Additionally, like dietary wise, focusing on anti-inflammatory food intakes. So we have our fruits, our vegetables, our omega-3 fatty acids, and making sure we're also getting adequate fiber intake because women with PCOS are also more likely to have cholesterol issues down the line in life. So being sure we're getting adequate fiber intake and omega-3 fatty acids in our diet every single day, make sure we're supporting not only our blood sugar, but also our cholesterol levels. Another really common thing that I see a lot is restricting foods or cutting out foods immediately. So very commonly people say, oh, if you have PCOS, you need to remove gluten and dairy. I'm here to tell you, you do not have to remove gluten and dairy if you have PCOS, unless you have an actual allergy or sensitivity. If you all of a sudden, you know, with PCOS are having new reactions to foods, like a lot of them, you, I would recommend doing stool testing to look for potential underlying gut issues. Because if you've gone your whole life and you've been able to eat these different things and all of a sudden you can't eat a dozen different things, something bigger is going on underneath that we need to uncover, right? So then to leave you with three last things, these are the three things I would probably say that I work on the most with my clients with PCOS and honestly with me for myself. So we want to make sure that we are prioritizing micronutrients. So with PCOS, our nutrients can be depleted. So focusing on food sources of vitamins can boost our intake. And just something to note too, supplements can be really helpful, but it's only going to build and be helpful if your diet is adequate first. Just think about that. <laughs> it supplements only help if your diet is already adequate. Now, if you're working on getting your diet adequate, does that mean you can't take any supplements in the meantime? No, not at all. But that supplement is going to be most effective if your diet is already on top of it. And then with people with PCOS, typically I always get the question too of like, should I take a multivitamin? Should I take a prenatal? Because our micronutrient needs were usually were at higher risk of being deficient, right? For most people, I'd say a high quality prenatal. My preferred one is full well. Um usually I see that be really helpful for my clients with PCOS. The second thing is eating enough. So a lot of times with PCOS, women have been focused on weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss with another side of weight loss for a really long time. So making sure that we are not chronically depriving ourselves of food for long people, like for long periods of time is super key. So assessing your dietary intake and history, um, you know, starting to make those, those changes of getting more micronutrient dense foods in you, those anti-inflammatory foods, right? It, that's like a good first step. And then also making sure that you're eating enough regularly. If you've been trying to lose weight for years, chances are you've never sat at maintenance and you need to reverse diet and go to maintenance. I'd put money on that, especially with PCOS. Something else to note too, is that if you have PCOS, you will likely need a longer time at maintenance, a slower reverse diet. And overall, you likely will see weight loss at a slower rate because we just have more factors working against us in a deficit. Because we have to remember a deficit is a privilege. To lose weight is a privilege. Your body does not care if you want to lose weight. Um, it doesn't understand that you are choosing to lose weight versus you don't have access to food and there's not enough for you, right? So it's a privilege and we just have to go a little bit slower with bodies with PCOS. Then the last one that I'll leave y'all with for this just like quick rundown and brief overview of like PCOS is managing stress. I literally cannot emphasize enough. I wish I could put like big bold letters. I know this is just audio, but I wish there was some way to like bold my voice essentially of like managing stress is so key for PCOS. PCOS bodies are more sensitive to stress. So regular management and mitigation of stressors is key. When our adrenal glands can't keep up to the stressors that it's consistently, you know, being hit with, they can increase testosterone production in our body and cortisol production in our body. And let's be honest, nobody wants that because then we get more of those hyperandrogenism symptoms. We are not sleeping as well. We're more swollen. We're more inflamed. and we're, Our bodies are just not happy. So 
The goal with PCOS bodies is to take care of them and nourish them the absolute best that we can with extra TLC, love, and a big old hug. So I know this was like a pretty quick overview and rundown of PCOS. If you guys have specific questions on PCOS that you want me to cover, let me know. We can go more in depth on honestly any of this, how it works, the science behind it. I would be happy to cover it, but just for like general population and general information, I felt like this was a good place to start, but we can always go more nitty gritty and in depth. Slide into my DMs on Instagram if you have PCOS and you have questions, or if you're like, hey, can you talk about this more on the next podcast episode? We absolutely can. So So hopefully this was good for you to learn about PCOS a little bit more. Um, I don't share a ton about my own journey with PCOS on Instagram, but I sprinkle it here and there. So be sure to jump over on Instagram. Let me know you listen to the episode. Until the next episode, hope you stay happy and healthy. Thank you so much for listening. I cannot tell y'all how much I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart for being here and tuning in to the podcast. If you have a second, you can scroll and leave a rating and review for the podcast. It helps me help more people like you. And I would really, really appreciate it. If you have any questions on this episode or any other episode you've listened to, just as a reminder, come find me on Instagram. I'm at dietitian.gianna. It is linked down below in the show notes as well. But please come connect with me on Instagram. If you have questions, if you need help, let me know and I'm happy to help.